0: good afternoon and welcome to future state industry leaders discuss today's priorities and tomorrow's challenges a health system cio media inc production sponsored by halo health just a little housekeeping before we get started my name's anthony guerra i'm the editor-in-chief of health system cio and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to some audience participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box. We'll take them later in the program. And if we have time, we're going to do a little audience poll. Nice way to view the screen today is click on the top center, get it in side-by-side mode. Then you can adjust the divider to get the video boxes and the slides the size you want them. And it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you see how we are going to spend our time today, we're going to go about 40 minutes or so with our main panel discussion featuring Andy Crowder, SVP and Chief Information and Analytics Officer with Atrium Health, Dr. Shafiq Robb, EVP, Chief Digital Officer and Systems CIO with Wellforce, Ryan Smith, CIO with Intermountain Healthcare, and Dr. Jose Barrow, Co-Founder and CEO with Halo Health, and then we'll have our audience Q&A. So we've got a lot of great panelists and we've got a lot to talk about. Let's jump right in. Andy, can you start us off, and give us an overview of your organization and your role?
1: Yeah, thank you for the invite. I'm excited to be here today. Andy Crowder, Chief Information Analytics Officer for Atrium Health. I've been with the organization about 18 months. Our organization, 70,000 teammates, 42 hospitals, 1,500 care locations. I oversee the um, historical things that a CIO would oversee, but also analytics for the broader organization, the research components of that, and then all of the digital acceleration strategies.
0: Very good, thank you. Shafiq?
2: My name is Shafiq. Um, uh, I've been at WellForce for about maybe eight months or nine months. This is a new job in Eastern Massachusetts. We are a three hospital system and we have a huge home health foundation. And we also have a a large physician network footprint. Uh, And my title is Chief Digital Officer, as you already said. Uh, Happy to be here and good to see my old
3: friends.
0: Thank you, Shafiq.
3: Ryan? Hey, uh, good morning, Ryan Smith uh, with Intermountain Healthcare. I'm a Vice President and and Chief Information Officer. So just a quick backdrop on Intermountain Healthcare. We're a 24-hospital, not-for-profit integrated delivery system, uh, 215 clinics or so about 2,800 um, employed physicians and APPs, uh, another 3,800 or so affiliated providers, uh, 41,000 employees and a health plan with about 900,000 um, members.
0: Very good. Thank you, Ryan. Jose?
3: Hi, good morning, Anthony. Um,
4: Jose Barrow from Halo Health, uh, medical oncologist, uh, co-founder uh, back in 2010, two oncologists just trying to solve uh, the problems they were experiencing with building cancer organizations, um, and the idea was to use the latest cloud technologies to improve communication and collaboration uh, between physicians and nurses. Um, so at this time, we're in several large organizations uh, across the, uh, the U.S. and trying to solve you know complex uh, communication problems.
0: Very good, thank you, Jose. All right, Ryan, we're going to start with you. What do you see as the main tr- uh, trends? Healthcare IT leaders need to be positioning their organizations to handle. And what's your advice for doing so?
3: All right, perfect. Well, a few things come to mind. You know, supporting growth of of the organization is really important, and and that really kind of spans across inorganic growth. You know, through things like mergers and acquisitions and and JV partnerships, um, supporting organic growth and and also investment related growth. So I see that as being pretty important. Also helping the organization, um, you know, continue that transition from fee for service over to value-based care kinds of arrangements and and population health management. Um, Obviously, I I think, um, you know, we all have a a major charge for helping, you know, to, to lead the drive for digital transformation that virtually you know spans every aspect of our organizations today, you know, whether that's with our members, with with patients, with community members, our providers, um, you know, workforce members, et cetera. And then um, as part of that, building the capabilities to support that, this massive shift that we're all seeing towards consumerism in our industry today. And and finally, I'd just mention also helping to enable and support rapid innovation. You know, we've all seen this during um, COVID the, the need, um, you know, for that type of support to to rapidly adapt to just very quickly changing in environments. So, Anthony, that's that's what I'd share.
0: Okay, very good, Andy.
1: Yes, yeah, so similar fashion to what Ryan shared, um, growth is certainly a, a large focus, all of our MA activity for Atrium Health. We just announced this year our partnership with Wake, uh, uh, Wake Forest, which really excited about, a phenomenal organization. Um, the other key area is uh, digital acceleration, transformation, are center stage for us. Um, one of our other strategies um, um, as part of that is really the best place to care and you know, all of these digital transformation activities and the technology that we're putting out there are fantastic. But if you don't create the best place for teammates to live and care and provide the right solutions for them as they're caring for the communities, you're going to miss the Miss the ball, and so a huge focus on that. And then the last one would be really, you know, as we think about this digital transformation, really harnessing the power of the data to do something significantly different and the next uh, next right thing to do. So our journey around predictive analytics and you know tied to the research component as part of our for all mission is a big focus for us.
0: Predictive analytics. Okay, very good, Shafiq. Uh,
2: Like my learned colleague said. um, all the things that they said is very important and very meaningful, I took some notes. Uh, having said that, uh, at our place, what, uh, what we are looking for, uh, first, uh, we have a new lens on that uh, COVID-19 gave us, is uh, how to improve uh, the access and delivery to care. Uh, and uh, to improve the access and delivery to care, we're looking at diversity, inequities, and the, uh, and the places where we can make sure that healthcare uh, can be accessed and delivered. So, based on that, uh, the things that we are looking forward towards is uh, one is to improve the efficiency within the health system so that we can generate or reserve revenue so we can reinvest in other places. Second is the uh, digital wave that everybody is trying to do and understand it, working with interoperability and trying to understand that. But in that effort, we are moving to the cloud. Uh, we're moving our entire data centers to the cloud. So we don't have any more data centers. Uh, I think in two years, we'll have no data centers. Third thing that we are doing is looking at edge computing. That is, we do the major processing in the cloud and then do things at the edge. And to do that, we're looking at connectivity, which is 5G and mapping, geo-mapping the, uh, the, the towers with the, our practices and our communities so they can connect to that. And also looking at uh, ways that we can improve the partnership with the community, whether it's housing, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, so that health is always there, uh, including care. Lastly, what we're trying to do is to grow, is to grow. That means MNA activity. But the growth is only not there, but we're also growing in a way that the academic and medical centers, uh, which we have one in Boston, and the relationship with the community hospitals, how do we make it better? We have a distributed academy medical center possible and keep care local as much as possible. And the most important thing is that how do we bring value for our consumers that we serve and how do we bring the value for the doctors we serve and the nurses we serve and how do we bring value for the employees? So we call it in a different way, destination center to work, destination center to get care and destination center where we can collectively think together Using research and other abilities, so that we can make the healthcare better. In all of this, we're encompassing this, calling a digital uh, platform with uh, analytics and predictive modeling and AI and all those things guiding us, but using that as a self-service rather than an IT dependent. So that helps a little bit.
0: All right, very good, Jose.
4: Um- well, uh, from my perspective, you know, I'm looking a little bit differently, I agree with everything uh, the panel has said, uh, but looking from kind of the outside in, I've seen a lot of health systems growing, a lot of our partners are, are growing, and I think that's that's a good sign, and, and a lot of best health systems are, are growing quickly, and they've made big strides in documentation and revenue cycle management and those types of things. Um, and that's very important for the scalable organization. But I think there's a large opportunity to also improve clinical operational excellence, and that's hard to do as an organization as we grow. Uh, we, as an IT company, you know, we need to you know do a lot of changes in operational excellence as they grow. And these large health systems have a lot of moving parts uh, and a lot of staffing administrative challenges and, and areas for improvement. This real time layer. Of work, how work is really done um, across the health system, uh, really could use a lot of efficiencies and understanding and understanding that data, that real-time data that goes across health systems and getting really accurate, timely information to the right people at the right time at the right places for patient care. And I think Andy touched on that, making it easier to do your work, clinical effectiveness and making it a pleasure to practice medicine Instead of a burden of you know finding data and overwhelmed with information that may be not useful at the time, so a lot of uh, opportunities on operational efficiencies like that.
0: All right, very good. Let's go to our next question, Shafiq. We're going to start with you. Um, in addition to you know to anything you've said uh, earlier, what are the top two or three large projects you're working
2: on? So uh, we are very lucky in a way that uh, we have a duo. That means uh, we started uh, to digitalize things, but before digitalization, first thing we are working on cloudification. That means uh, application rationalization and taking all our assets into the cloud. So that's the number one project we are working on. Second, we just formed a a collaborative work with our physicians uh, and their workflow and their standardization of clinical care so how can IT or digital transformation support them uh, with quality analytics and to improve the overall workflow and improving overall uh, of, of the patient. So we are working on appification of that. Lastly, the third thing that we are working on is that we believe, uh, at least I believe, uh, that the electronic health record will become a glorified documentation system in the next three to four years. And the front door or the digital platform that takes care in the front, will lead all of it. So we are putting our effort on creating that CRM and that, that front end that connects the world to us and us to the world so that we can be there for people when they are healthy and when they are there. So those are the three major projects that we are working on. Very good. Ryan?
3: Yeah. So um, a couple of major things we're working on, um, you know, Shafiq mentioned one of those, and and, and that is... We're working on a whole digital enablement framework, you know, really an abstraction layer from from these high volume um, internally focused systems, you know, like EHRs and and, uh, claim systems, et cetera, to build basically a digital platform capability that can thereby really support our consumers and our providers and our workforce members' digital experience needs. And, And a lot of work's going into this and it's multiple platforms. It's not all like it's a single vendor or anything like that, but um, helping us to to be able to you know really be adaptive responsive flexible uh with our approach to you know building out the, these new patient and member and and provider and workforce member experiences so so that's one area we're putting a lot of time and effort into um second one is very much along the lines of what jose mentioned and and that's um building out an intelligent automation uh capability in fact in 2021 we're um, just got uh, funding and support for building what we're calling a, a center of in, of enablement uh, that will really support a citizen development type of a model that can help to automate a lot of different, um, you know, business and, and clinical functions across the organization. And, and we're pretty excited about that, um, you know, mid into 2019 and throughout 2020. Uh, we are kind of in the crawl phase of a crawl, walk, run kind of strategy around intelligent automation. And, and you know, to date, we've been able to deliver right around uh, 400, you know, chatbot kind of automaton type capabilities um, that span a lot of different areas. And we're seeing some really, um, you know, interesting things coming out of that, but but largely focused on on trying to automate those routine, mundane, not fun tasks, you know, that our, our caregivers and um, you know, different uh, you know business people need need to otherwise do um, so. A lot going on around that. Um, we're also working on um, you know furthering our our work with the Patient ID Now Coalition, uh, which is advocating for a national patient matching solution. And and there's been some interesting things going on uh, around that space, and and you know the change of administration and some changes in con- Congress, etc. Um, kind of reinvigorated, uh, you know, drive to to looking at things that we can do across the nation to make uh, patient matching an, an easier proposition than than what it's been. And, and I think COVID has really uh, shown, you know, an exacerbated need for being able to, you know, really identify people, um, you know, that are coming in for for treatment, for vaccinations, whatever the case may be. Um, those those are a few of the things, Anthony, that uh, we're focused on. Uh, you know, amongst literally hundreds of other, you know, sizable, important projects as well.
0: Are you a a unique patient ID, like nationally issued proponent, or do you just believe in high level patient matching?
3: Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. And, um, um, you know, we think there's a lot of ways to, to get to some kind of ultimate solution, and and our focus is really on uh, more around, you know, patient matching solutions, um, you know, versus saying it has to be a national patient identifier. You know, we, we don't know exactly the right way to get there. What we do know is we need to um, have a better way that we can match patients across the country.
0: Very good. Andy?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, uh, I mentioned the digital acceleration strategy earlier on, which has six pillars. I won't hit on all of them, but I will mention a few. The first one really has to do with all of our digital consumer uh, initiatives. Um, all of the initiatives added up together span two years. That's our digital transformation time frame. It's about three quarters of a billion dollars. Um, so a significant capital uh, investment uh, to harmonize our solutions across uh, all of our venues. Um, the. Today, you know, if you look at our contact centers that are taking 60,000 inbound calls a day, um, new CRM capabilities rolled out there, you know, the the desire to really know our consumers and customers at a very different level, so so that they feel like that we actually have a relationship with them that's outside of just encounters and visits and so a big focus there. a lot on our digital front door and our back door and making the most frictionless um, experiences that we can uh, for our customers. The next one has to do with uh, virtual care. We saw a huge uptake, as most of you did from the pandemic, um, our virtual hospital, um, and you know, 2,000% increase in virtual care. So virtual care is not going back to where it was before. And you know some of the sanctions are starting to change. They're a big focus. Uh, due to our MA growth activities, um, we're kind of a mixed bag from an EHR point of view. So we're standardizing on Epic now. We're actually 120 days away from, uh, they call it the GLRA, 120 days out from one of our uh, major go-lives. Uh, for those of you that have been through that journey before, thank you, Shafiq. Um, and then the, the other area, um, uh, Oracle Cloud ERP just launched in January. So some of our biggest initiatives have actually launched during the pandemic. And the last one, which is I think really the um, maybe the holy grail to all of this, is the predictive analytics. You know, our analytics really became the cornerstone focus, bright spot, as our CEO would call it during the pandemic. Our ability to intervene uh, with populations with significant health inequities and close that gap so that what we saw happen in other areas of the nation didn't happen in Charlotte. Um, big bright spots for us. And it's how we're actually navigating where we do our mass facts and our mini vaccination events um, for all of our venues.
0: All right. Very good. Next question, Jose, we're going to start with you. Other than the trends discussed, please make one bold prediction about the future. And when I say the future, I mean six to 12 months out and offer advice on how healthcare IT leaders can prepare for it.
4: Well, one bold prediction about the future. Um, I think that, uh, telehealth, uh, won't be as, um, entrenched as, uh, as people think it is. Uh, I think, and even as working at, you know, um, on Zooms, you know, uh, with, within a company, you know, you realize the limitations and, uh, and you see the benefits of, in you know, uh, you know the benefits of uh, face-to-face interactions. You know, and and being in room with people. And I think that goes for physicians that I speak to all the time. Uh, and uh, it, it's a it, it became exciting at first, but I think that patients want to see physicians face-to-face, and um, and I think that uh, medical care is going to re- requires it. Uh, so I think telehealth will be. Uh, here to stay and, and in a higher percentage than the normal, but uh, it will um, go down to reasonable numbers, not that much higher than they were before the pandemic. That's a What are prediction. the
0: implications of that, Jose? Are the implications, if you believe that, it, are, would you be concerned about a health system or a CIO who you saw maybe putting all their eggs in the telehealth bath? Can you overdo it if you think that, in person is going to re, you know, reemerge or telehealth will decrease. Yeah. So you don't want to, you don't want to go too much in the telehealth direction. What does that mean? Practically speaking. I think you, you need
4: a telehealth solution, obviously, and you need it to be effective. Uh, and there's other opportunities for telehealth that are interesting, like real time and things like that. But it, just like with the kiosk experiment, when patients, you know, check in without talking to somebody, they really, if there's somebody there, they want to talk to somebody. They want to, they want to talk to people and they want to see their doctors face to face, and I, and I don't think that's something that's going to change uh, drastically. Um, and, and I think I've talked to a lot of people who who feel the same way. But that's so putting all you have to put in a, a solid telehealth program, no doubt about it. And it's here to stay, and there's a lot of good functionality for it. But I wouldn't count on that to be your majority of
0: visits. Very good. That's a that's a good prediction. It's a bold. This we really like that. It's not a. Mm-hmm. It, you know, so now I think there's a lot to that. I want to We'll follow up on that in a little bit. Um, Andy, your bold prediction.
1: Yeah, so my bold prediction is that in 12 months, um, the buzzword of AI and ML will be no more and people will actually start leveraging these capabilities to transform healthcare as opposed to chasing, the, as a leader in our organization, the shiny object syndromes and get back to providing great value to our customers and to our patients.
0: So you, are you saying that AI and ML won't be as big a deal or no? That's no, not- I think
1: it will be as big a deal, but it's going to be focused on um, the outcome that you're uh-huh. going to deliver as opposed to the technology bent that it's at today. Um, and I think that the progressive um, health systems and CIOs will create, as um, Ryan spoke about, an architecture to be able to ingest those insights and make those interventions and know the next right thing to do as opposed to... Um, picking just the right vendor. I think you have to have, I think you have to be open in that space. And I think you have to have an architecture and an agile capability to go about it.
0: Very interesting, Shafiq.
2: I'm sorry, I was on mute. I know, I saw, it's okay. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So uh, in the United States, uh, healthcare is not governed by me or you or any hospital. It is governed by the payers, which are the Medicare, Medicaid, commercial payers. Um, and what I see, uh, technology will try uh, its best to make things easier for everybody. But the biggest change that I see that will happen will be in the care settings. That means the care settings will start moving, uh, except for surgery, which we still make the most money on, into home and into other care settings. Uh, So that means uh, the technology that supports connectivity, edge computing, and the the ease of work uh, for the nurses, for the physicians, uh, you will see a shift on that. Uh, And to do that, uh, like Andy said, uh, like Ryan said, you will have to have a digital platform that not only supports the activity, but also gives uh, analytical values and other things. Uh, The reason I'm saying that it will become more prominent uh, because of two things. The connectivity, uh, which will become more common, one is 5G, and the other one is C-band. That is the upper half of all satellite antennas that you use. That spectrum will be available for public use. So at 10 gigabit per second, ultimately, or presently today at one gigabit per second, that phone uh, becomes a very uh, powerful device to do the care and the settings of care. So that, that's my uh, my my. If you're asking one big thing, is that all the things that we are building, whether it's virtual care, whether it's digital platform, is to make that consumerism and at the same time the care setting change, because all of us will participate in value-based care, will participate in bundle care, will participate in narrow networks, will participate in distributed. Uh, uh clinical network, clinical standardization, in which we are trying to decrease the utilization so that the cost goes down. That will be the driver.
0: Very good, excellent. Ryan?
3: Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is, um, Anthony, you, you put us on the spot here because six to 12 month out predictions is such a narrow time band. Um, you, you know, initially I was gonna go where Andy was going uh, around AI and ML, um, but personally, believe that we're probably at least you know three years out, you know, to where we'll still be using AI as a and ML et cetera as, a, as big buzzwords as we're trying to still demystify, you know, what it collectively means for for our industry. Um, and totally agree with Andy that we're going to continue to see really rapid um, innovation cycles around data-driven insights using using those technologies. My prediction, just again, given the really narrow window is is that you know over i think the pandemics had us wake up quite a bit you know towards consumerism in healthcare and i know we've been talking about that for the better part of the decade but it feels like it's really here now and and i think a lot of our organizations have been i'm going to say 80 85 maybe 90% of uh, delivery organizations out there have pinned their digital consumer strategies more around just what I'll call, uh, you know, vendor delivered um, tools, et cetera. And as such, you know, we have just put out uh, digital tools to our our consumers that our vendors just give us. And and thereby, you know, we've had a lot of different tools that each of our organizations have have offered. I think over the next 12 months, organizations in our industry are going to collectively come to the understanding around the, around what I'll call the absolute imperative of of pursuing a more cohesive consumer digital experience strategy where the organization needs to own its own destiny around that, that customer or consumer experience. Um, And, and that can really, you know, blur the line between that virtual and and physical world if done really well. Um, And, and I think a lot more organizations are going to recognize that need and, and begin to follow suit, uh, you know, from those organizations that have been kind of paving the way of that have been trying to really own that, that uh, consumer experience kind of strategy as opposed to just, you know, putting out there a lot of Tom, Dick and Harry, uh, you know, tools to, to their, to their customers.
0: I'm trying to understand a little bit more because, because a number of you have mentioned a a sort of a digital platform. um, And I think Andy used the term uh, architecture to ingest. Um, it sounds like, and, and Ryan, you were talking about sort of getting away from vendor solutions. What uh, uh, give me a better sense? Uh, and it's probably just me not getting it. What is this platform? What is it consist of? If it's not a vendor delivered tool, what is it?
3: Yeah. So you know, my take on it, Anthony, is is that the platform, you know, has three or four or five really um, discrete components to it underlying it is really what I'll call a next gen data platform um, that can homogenize data, you know, coming in from your, your CRM, um, you know, it comes in from your electronic health record or records systems comes in from your claim system comes in, you know, from your scheduling revenue cycle, billing um, systems, et, et cetera. Um, and as opposed to subjecting your patient or your member or community members directly to the tools offered by those respective vendors, instead, we get this abstraction layer, starting with this, this data platform that then comes up into something, you know, like an API gateway um, that, that makes it very easy to develop products and solutions that can interact with these back-end services, etc., that then moves up into kind of the, what I'll call a digital digital process layer where you can define business rules and clinical rules and things like that. And then at the high end of that is really a user experience or UI level, okay, with each of those being very modularized components. And and so by virtue of that, you know, if we want to develop a chat bot or if we want to, you know, that, that our patients interact with that on our public website or in our mobile app, or if we want to have you know, something like a patient kiosk in a clinic, or if we want to just have our, our, our mobile app you know, the, uh, as part of our digital front door, we don't have to reinvent all of these business rules for each of those user um, experience modalities. We, we can basically inherit from these lower level layers and, and make it much more um, cohesive for our consumer to be able to interact with our products and services. And, and the analogy that I'd use is, let's just flip to any other service oriented industry, you know, in this day and age, imagine, you know, if Delta airlines or United or others um, didn't have basically a single digital front door for their customers to be able to, you know, look up flights, pay for flights, change your seat, pick your seat, track your bags, um, all of those kinds of things. And, and, you know, increasingly, I kind of look at it personally, and I'm not a millennial by, by any stretch of the imagination, but if I, can't get done what I need to do in that digital front door experience, and I need to actually go talk to the gate agent, or if I need to actually call Delta um, to do something, I almost view that as as a service failure that that now needs some kind of service recovery. So times have really changed. And, and, you know, if we went to the banking industry and thought about, you know, if, if if I had three or four or five different digital apps that my bank was giving me, you know, one for doing stuff with my mortgages, one to, you know, manage my checking account, you know, one for whatever else, I would definitely be switching banks. And yet in healthcare, that is exactly the kind of experience that 90% of healthcare organizations across the country are still offering. And and so I think we're going to get this coal coalesced um, mindset that wow, you know what? It's going to become a competitive differentiator of how well or poorly we do this digital front door, as it relates to not only our patients and members and other members of the community, but increasingly even our physicians and providers and, and workforce members. I, I think it's, it's that important that we get this right. That we're investing, I, I, you know, and from what I'm hearing, Andy's um, organization is investing, as many others are, in really owning that 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 you know, digital front door experience. And to do that, you've got to have this notion of a platform to be able to deliver on on that brand and experience promise.
0: I want to discuss that a little bit and get other people's thoughts and, and reaction to, to what you're saying. Jose, you have some comments on what you're hearing from Ryan? <clears throat>
4: well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the first thing that came to mind is, you know, the last four organizations that we were dealing with are asking us, called us to replace pagers. You know so there's still you know 200 million dollars of paging revenue out there and, and and you know I'm optimistic about the future and things that Ryan is talking about and there's and, and healthcare is slow to get there and we have to create that consumer experience like like Ryan is talking about and Andy is talking about um, but I think you know just like AI I think is over a year away where we can really use it it's not a buzzword there's, there's blocking and tackling that we have to do that, you know, people like me are in the weeds trying to figure out, you know, um, how do you unify communication and collaboration across a system so that you can get everybody moving in the right direction and then do more advanced things along the way. So, so there's things, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity, um, the digital front door concept, you know, giving that user experience, uh, they come into your system and and feel like they've got white glove service and is up to par with the other experiences we have in our industries is is so important. and And I think a real huge opportunity, but there's also blocking and tackling stuff that we have to do inside of health systems to get there. Um, and sometimes it's not very sexy, you know, it's just kind of grunt work that you have to kind of figure out, um, so uh, I see both. I'm, I'm, I see both of those things, and I love the the fancy stuff and the, and the digital stuff. But somebody's got to do the, the 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 get in the weeds stuff on some of these things, like page replacement and other things that are inhibiting these workflows and this operational efficiency that we're talking about. Also,
2: very good, Shafiq. Oh well, um, um, I totally agree with you, Doctor Naro, what you are saying but what uh, my, my learned colleague Ryan Smith is saying what Andy is trying to do and what I did in my last job and I'm trying to do in this job. Uh, here is the very simple things that uh, Anthony, you asked us to explain. It's very simple. If electronic health records did everything that everybody needed, we would not need any other system. If we could uh, have a one communication system that communicated with everybody, we would not need anything. If we had an analytic platform that knew every workflow, and knew what right information for the right person, the right format is everywhere, every time there, we would not need anything. What has happened to us is that as we are struggling to provide care and as we are struggling to provide experience, there is an intense demand uh, from the consumer, there's an intense demand from the caregiver for somehow to make things seamless. So some of us got together and said, listen, I know there are companies like Salesforce, there's Pega, Dimension. There are all kinds of companies who have front end, back end. They all come and try to sell, and then we have this interoperability problem. Then we have the connecting to people problem. So finally, we said, okay, why don't we build our own platform, so that we don't then we can put out all our business rules. It doesn't matter what you got in the end. And then can the ERP people, because ERP has now become a big deal. People are converting from one software to the other software. So all of a sudden, people said, hey, you're taking care of the patient but you're not taking care of the employees. So how will anybody work out? So in that scenario, what we thought to ourselves that if you build a digital platform that has APIs, that has business rules, that has all those connections that we need, and that is connection to all the databases with rules, with intelligence built into it, so we can spin out in the front end a beautiful app that people can ask. And in real time, we do surveys and other things. So my answer uh, uh, to you, Anthony, is that that journey will become more common. I know that there are places where we work and I work, but there are still pagers, there are still printers. So healthcare is going through that journey, but healthcare cannot escape that anymore. Uh, This is it. Uh, I mean, the revolution has begun and people will have to follow. There is no way out of it anymore.
0: So Andy, this is, so we have, uh, you know, the EMR journey of of organizations consolidating on an Epic or a Cerner. Um, that's one sort of major, but that's not this step, right? That, that's one step in sort of becoming efficient from an enterprise level. But now we're talking about an additional step. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's a matter of, you know, you have to have the right transactional tools um, to support the business. And there are inflection points where um, it's either part of an M&A activity, it's the end of life for maybe a PeopleSoft or one of the other solutions. So I think that there are enterprise solutions which will scale and that you have to be excellent at supporting and maintaining. And you have to understand where and how to leverage those tools and where they have gaps. And then it's about creating an architecture and a framework that you can connect those systems and expose those data assets to the consumer, to the caregiver, and to the leadership team to make the right decisions about the business. And, and I think there was a point in time where, quite honestly, maybe uh, myself and our contemporaries forgot that uh, that we were great at doing technology and that API integration and programming and forming relationships with emerging technology companies to build solutions that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's how we innovate and get ahead of where the industry's at and also push our vendors. And so I think you have to, it's a balancing act between leveraging those enterprise assets that you have that do a great job at a whole host of things and then finding the gaps. I call them the white spaces and ideate and innovating around them. In our organization, similar to Ryan's and some of the others, they have an investment portfolio. And so we're making investments and bets into technology companies, partnering our IP with them to take solutions to market. And so I think it's a a balancing act between leveraging those great enterprise assets that you have and staying true to that, and then ideating in the white space that creates a differentiation for the consumer and the caregiver. And I think that's the place that you have to, sometimes, you know, you're going to take three steps forward and it's not going to get you the result that you want. And I think you have to have rigor and balance around where you ideate and where you leverage those other solutions.
0: All right, very good. Uh, a question from our, uh, our friend, Bill Spooner, uh, who's on the line today. Um, speaking of buzzwords, what will be the next buzzword following digital, you know, quote unquote, digital health? Uh, Ryan?
3: Oh, yeah. They, first of all, Bill, thanks for joining us. And it's uh, great, great to hear your name. Um, next buzzword kind of post-digital, I don't know, you know, because digital and transformation and the combination of those two words itself has become just this incredible um, buzzword. So I don't know if it's going to be something more around, you know, bringing back forward things like, um, you know, VR and and AR, et cetera, as as new flavors of of virtual. But, uh, you know, I, I think like Jose said, you know, virtual itself is here to stay in terms of, of that that type of, um, you know, healthcare delivery mode and, and I agree that it's probably going to back off from some of the COVID highs, but, but we need, you know, as an industry to really continue to push forward to, to really advocate for, um, you, you know, anything that can increase quality and improve outcomes uh you know can help the experience and can also decrease cost in, in our healthcare system. I mean I, I feel like we've all have got a, a responsibility to to help make sure that the that that's the case. Our our nation needs it. Our nation actually depends on that. As far as the next buzzword, I I don't know.
0: <laughs> I will take it no problem. Now your, your colleagues on the panel have had time to think, so they're going to, they should be much more prepared now for this question. So I wouldn't count on it. Come be. on, Andy. What do you got? <laughs> don't let Bill I don't, down.
1: I don't, I don't Thank you, Bill, for asking that question. I'll get you back somehow on another podcast <laughs> and pose one, another. but it's, it's, it can count on Bill to, to, to challenge us. You know, I don't know. I think that um, um, as we move forward um, the whole concept around data currency and actually value for these investments. And I can't come up with a. I I remember a colleague in another organization called it uh, liquid data or liquid insights or something to that. But, you know, what people they don't want more technology and they don't want more tools. They want deeper insights and they want outcomes. They don't want any of the and they certainly don't want the cost of the stuff that we have. So um, I'm going to have to get in touch with Michael Parkerson, my chief marketing, maybe Dr. Shresta. Uh, from an innovation point of view to come up, they're good at coming up with the next buzzword. I'll let them do that. And I'll I'll focus on what I'm doing here today.
0: You got it. Jose, what do you got? Uh, well,
4: you know, when I made the transition from uh, physician to entrepreneur, you know, I, I went to my first hymns and and I relied, that's where I really got the buzzword uh, dictionary. So, you know, we didn't have hymns last year or whatever. So I didn't get my new kind of... Uh, words, uh, buzzwords, uh, when you walk around and kind of get that, get that good information. Uh, so I'll just say that, you know, I think that buzzwords are almost over. I think people like Ryan Smith, Andy Crowder, Shavik, they, they don't want to hear buzzwords. They want, like they said, they want to see data and they want to see outcomes and they want to see how things are actually helping their organizations. So I think buzzwords are, you know, are dead on arrival. We're always gonna have them for marketing purposes and those types of things, but it really does. I don't think it's moving any needles anymore. I think those were smarter than that now.
0: Uh, Very good, Shafiq, any any buzzwords come to mind that people are throwing at you these days?
2: Well, you know, good old Bill Spooner, God bless Yeah, him.
0: you knew it, you know, Bill got us. Uh, so uh,
2: um, Andy and Ryan Smith are luminaries and uh, they're smart people and they're good friends. Uh, I didn't, I don't think I have the chance to outsmart anybody, but uh, I don't have a buzzword. I can tell you what, I, what I'm thinking about it, but I, I mixed that idea. I was working on a hologram instead of virtual care. And then I thought this pandemic hit. Uh, nobody wants a hologram. They want to come and see the doctor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I'm just being honest about it. Then I was doing the cloud work. Then people came with distributed cloud computing. So people come up with these names, uh, uh, but the real thing is that uh, I think the 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 re- next buzz word that I think will be that we took care of our patients and we created the value. We created the value for our environment, for our institution, for our employees, and for our healthcare. People use the word experience, uh, and uh, money is there. A lot of issues. A lot of us have lost a lot of money through the through the COVID era. Health systems are losing money every day to take care of it. So I think the next buzzword is value.
0: Value. Okay. All
2: right. Um,
0: I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that Jose said that people are going to come in and see the doctor. They're going to want to come back in. Uh, Shafiq said people don't want to see a hologram. But we've also heard talk about chatbots and automating things. You could put a lot of tools out there. We've all been consumers and we've all faced phone trees and chatbots and things, you know, I just want to talk to a person. Mm-hmm. There's a balance there. So we want to automate everything and we want to make, you know, the volume go down because the volume's too high. But we have to be careful that, <laughs> you know, we're not doing things that just irritate people. So I'd like to get a round of opinions on that. Andy?
1: Yeah, so I mean, at the, this is a, healthcare is a very personal business. It's about human interaction, human care, and caring for all. Um, I would say that it's not a uh, or solution; it's an and. There are places where we've got um, interactions um, with our customers where we've made it incredibly difficult, and we need to remove the friction spots in it. And no matter whether you're in a digital pathway or you're in a person pathway, there needs to be the opportunity to branch out of that and go straight to an individual. Um, and whether that's in person, um, so we have to meet people where they want to be met. you know how you how you take care of a population in one community can vary greatly in another community based on all types of uh, of parameters, based on age, based on uh, ethnicity, based on all types of preferences and and you've got to be able to know what intervention is required in a particular spot, and there's not going to be one size fits all um, and, and I think one of the other things which we can't lose in this. As we've got phenomenal caregivers that have, you know, demonstrated huge courage in the face of this pandemic, and we've got to make sure that we're taking care of them appropriately, or we will not be able to take care of these populations and serve our mission. Regardless of all the digital assets, we've got not lose sight of our teammates and our frontline caregivers.
0: Very good, Jose. Uh,
1: no, I,
4: I really agree with that. I think that. Healthcare is a, uh, you know, people become doctors and nurses because they like people and they like helping people. And I think, you know, um, that digital process has to make that interaction better and uh, and needs to be in the background more. And it needs to be seamless. Like it's the digital is helping you, but you don't even know how it's helping you. It's more about maintaining that interaction, you know? And so, you know, as we move more into telehealth, uh, we need to figure out ways how to have, how, how to, um, you know, create that bond of why people went into to, to healthcare in the first place, because it's really all about the doctors and nurses and people caring for patients. We're putting the framework around them to, to do better care, but it's about that interaction, uh, and making that great. So, uh, how digital support to that I think is a, is is really important uh, for the future.
1: Hey, Anthony and Jose, I had a colleague, um, a CMIO at the last organization, Dr. Stein, that said, "Make it so good that the customer and the caregiver can't help but want to use it." Um, and and the usability does really really matter. Um, and and we can't lose sight of that, that experience and that connection with them.
0: Great point, Ryan.
3: Yeah, and I uh, totally agree with what Jose Shafiq and Andy just said, Um, you know, done well, digital will be a nice bridge, you know, to the physical world, but it's got, but we haven't offered tools that have been very user friendly historically, Uh, you know, as, let me just share a little bit, Uh, we have a, our digital front door for consumers is called My Health Plus here at Intermountain Healthcare, we just ran a pilot um, project inside of my health plus um, for our uh, primary care clinics for about 12 of our clinics or so so pretty limited and what we wanted to do was put some bot technology into the um, in, into that mobile app to basically let patients before they come in fill out kind of pre-visit forms um, that historically have been paper-based and and um, you know the MA completes and and uh, you know through an interview session like this sitting across the desk at the clinic. Well, from just our, what we found, you know, know, coming to the conclusion of this pilot was that we had a reduction in front desk check-in time that decreased, um, you know, that check-in time by about 25%. Okay. So that's good for patients. We had a reduction in MA charting time, that saved 10,000 hours. So this one's a biggie. Around 50 hours were saved per day by MAs at these pilot clinics, which translated to over 30 minutes per day per MA. Um, From a positive patient satisfaction perspective, 94% positivity um, rate. And and from an NPS perspective, eight out of 10 uh, is is how patients rated um, these new capabilities inside of that app. And from a usage and engagement perspective, uh, nearly 50% of patients opted to fill out these forms using the app um, versus, you know, coming in and going through the traditional method. So to me, these are just great examples of what I'm going to call win-wins. And maybe not for every patient. Some patients will always want to walk in to, you know, or on their way out, schedule their next appointment. Others will want to call in. But, increasingly, we're seeing a lot that don't want to do either of those. And, and we need to have mechanisms for, for them as well. And even if you're coming in in person to smooth that process through, through you know, whether it's through bots like we were using in this particular pilot or other ways, we need to blur those lines to just make it more effective, efficient, and a better experience for everybody. Whether we're talking about patients, whether we're talking about providers, MAs, etc. And there's, I think we've got a lot of great work still ahead of us collectively, you know, to just make our industry so much easier to work with.
2: Very good, Shafiq? I have a couple of points to make. One is that uh, uh, as we are, we need all kinds of tools. Uh, we need chat bars. We need video because different people prefer different ways of doing things. That's one. Second, also we are paying attention to the digital divide during this vaccination as people are trying to uh, get their names in it and enrollment in it, some have access to internet, some don't. Some have computers, some don't. Some rural areas have broadband. Some inner urban cities, people don't have it. They have to go to the library, they have to go to the other place. So as we are talking about this entire digital innovation, I was talking to some people in the federal government and asking them that, hey, when you do the broadband thing, would you mind taking care of the urban population also where there is not enough resources. So in the world of doubt and disbelief where we live, telephone still works, chatbot, some people like it. Some people like videos, some people like automated. There are different ways of reaching a consumer. And uh, if we have all that in our arsenal, but it allows allows the health system to use them all. And sometimes we might have to take the care to the place where people can't move from. So that means the mobility is also there. So in the world of, of where we live uh, and where healthcare has to be provided, we need all those tools together. So that's what that's what's helpful. Uh, and some sometimes it's possible, sometimes not possible. Andy had talked about uh, talking with other big tech companies and doing innovation so that we can bring solutions that are effective and that are affordable also that is a very big key in the world of digital transformation.
0: All right, very good. We're running out of time. What we're gonna do now before we go is we're gonna do what I'm gonna call it a lightning round of final thoughts, final parting piece of advice that you want. Uh, Just picture a colleague in your position at another health system uh, and what's your final parting word of advice to help them out. Uh, Andy, why don't you go first?
1: Yeah, so um, at the end of the day, um, I think CIOs and others have to realize that they're um, an executive who is part of the executive team that oversees a particular area of vertical technology. At the end of the day, it's about meaningful relationships with your teammates and with your executive colleagues and realizing that you're there to support the health systems initiatives and making sure that that relationship with your C-suite is really, really sound so that you're at the table for the strategy conversations and not just the tactical execution. It's been illuminating through the pandemic um, and it's been an ex- it's probably been the most exciting time in my career that I've had in the past 18 months.
2: That's a, that's great. Shafiq? Uh, Ditto to what Andy said uh, 100%. Uh, I can only add a little bit that you have to have empathy uh, because we are in the healthcare business. And uh, most importantly, for people like me in my jobs, we are here to further uh, the vision of our CEO, of our board, of our system. And we are here to provide care, not only care, but also make the lives of our employees and our caregivers better. So if you have that thought in your head as as a C person, as a CIO person, Uh, Your contribution today is very valuable because uh, we need to automate, we need to speed things. So if you are a helpful person and if you are part of the team and if you are a collaborative person and if you know how to save money and make money, uh, you are needed the most at this time. There is no better time, there is no bigger time in the history of of, of, of of our healthcare than now for the CIOs, for the CDOs to lead. This is the time to lead. Seize the moment. Excellent, Ryan.
3: Yeah, um love some of the other thoughts. I'll, I'll tell you these these last 12 months have, have been the most exciting in my career for sure and and I feel like, you know, the next 12 will will be equal. Okay? And and I often share with with other groups that the pandemic has realistically done more to usher in the digital age of healthcare in less than a year than the combination of you know, state and federal governments, payer organizations, healthcare organizations, uh, you know, and even big tech companies combined were able to do in the last five to 10 years. Um, And and I feel like we need as as technology leaders to really capitalize on that wave. And I think our respective organizations are looking to us and our teams to really help them, um, you know, enable the strategies that our organizations have, whether those are growth related, whether those are, you know, consumer experience-related. Whether those have to do around clinical excellence, whether it has to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, what, or even cost savings. Uh, you know, we're such an integral part to helping with all of those, and we don't want to sit back and be glorified ticket takers. We want to be just like Andy said, sitting at the table and helping to to bridge the gaps that we have with our company successfully realizing those strategies. And and I think we've got the, um, you know, the the data, the digital, the technology um, chops, you know, to, to really help further those conversations and, and those strategies. But we've got to be there. We've got to be present, and 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 we've we've got to be vocal about it.
0: Jose, I'll give you the last word.
4: Uh, I agree with Ryan. And, you know, I'm very optimistic about the future, and the pandemic has you know, open some doors and, and allow us to think differently about some things. Um, and I'll just say, you know, it's clear we've gone through a digital revolution in our personal lives. And I think we can see that when we look around, when you see our kids, you know, their face in the in, in the phone and people at restaurants, their faces in the phone. And as we, you know, go further digitally into our health systems, you know, that doesn't work, right? We want to, I, I, you know, I, won't, I I would like to see, you know, our caregivers facing each other and their patients and the digital supporting them in the background and and not walking around with every you know everyone's face in a screen that so uh, i'm optimistic we're going to get there and uh and the future is bright in that respect
0: excellent what a fantastic conversation really really good stuff um, that's about all we had time for today, Gabe. Regarding continuing education, you could use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this event is ready to view. If you wanna sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team and you can go to our website to register for upcoming events. With that, I wanna thank our tremendous panel, Andy Crowder, Dr. Shafiq Robb, Ryan Smith, and Dr. Jose Barrow. And I wanna thank Halo Health for sponsoring and, and making this event possible. And I want to thank you, our attendees, for coming. And with that, everybody, have a wonderful day. Thank you.